Good morning, Honey Ridge Baptist Church. It's good to be with you in this way. Again, camera and uh, somewhere there are people, and we trust that this is a blessing to you nonetheless. Um, The fact that our God is amazing is, uh, I think, underrated no matter how high you think of the amazingness of God. Um, And this passage that we've had read for us and will unpack now, plays out two things. One, look how amazing God really is. And two, Jesus is the Messiah. And so uh, if you're from a Jewish background or uh, have questions as to who is this Christ, um, I hope this is helpful for you in terms of answering your, your question and your help in terms of is Jesus really the Messiah the Christ. Secondly, if you are a believer or a new believer, perhaps an old believer, how amazing is our God is kind of the focus of this passage. Uh, this, this passage has been repeated in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and um, shows Something quite amazing that I think we we may miss, and I hope this is helpful for you in terms of uh, look and see the great mind, grace, consideration, play out of God throughout the Old Testament and into the New. The, uh, The most quoted psalm of the entire Bible, the most quoted passage of the entire Old Testament is, of course, Psalm 110, and it's repeated in all three of the Gospels, the one we've read from from Mark's version. And I want you to see a number of things. Firstly, that Psalm 110 is used by Jesus Christ in all three of those Gospels, and it's interesting that uh, Matthew and Mark show this is a Psalm of David by the Holy Spirit. Luke's version... uh, simply plays it out as a psalm of David. All three of them show the psalm and the way Jesus uses the psalm to end a conversation, or if you like, end a questioning process of who are you. And uh, all three of them come to the point, um, sorry, Matthew and Mark come to the point of explaining this ends the questioning that was played out by the Sadducees first and then the Pharisees in Matthew and Mark's version. And uh, the Sadducees begin the conversation in uh, Matthew and uh, Mark's version. Uh, let, me, let me tell you a story. Uh, we don't believe in the resurrection from the dead. And so you've got this guy. He, uh, he's married. Uh, he passes away. Uh, his brothers, seven of them, in turn, fulfill the Old Testament duty in terms of marrying her to give her a child. All of them die, and uh, eventually the woman dies. In the, new, in the new age, whose wife is she? As a question to try and trap Jesus in terms of, uh, we, we don't believe this, let's see how clever you are. What happens next in Matthew and Mark's version is the Pharisee, a particular Pharisee, picks up, picks up the conversation and asks Jesus, in light of this questioning process, what is the most important command? 
And of course, you know the answer, the twofold response, uh, conclusion of the entire Old Testament commands. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And right on from that, Jesus then brings them to this question. Who's, how, how can it be that, that the son of David... David calls Lord. How is that possible? And um, that's, that's the question they can't answer. Simply put, how can Messiah be lesser than David if David calls him Lord? That's, that's the question. And there's, there's more to this, um, to this passage where, where repeatedly there's this concern to trap Jesus, to to get him to the point where he can't wriggle out of their wisdom. And of course, we've seen time and again, Matthew, Mark, Luke's gospel, they cannot answer the question. And so, that's the end of their questioning Jesus. My concern though, in this, from this passage, is somewhat different. Yes, it, it, it shuts up the mouths of those who do not believe. And we'll get to that in a moment. But I want you to think about how this repeated psalm so many times throughout, throughout the New Testament, when we'll look at a few other passages, this, this particular psalm, Psalm 110, that is, is known as the most commonly repeated psalm in the entire New Testament becomes, I think, an important example of look and see the wisdom and grace and concern of God to, to work out a particular plan to show forth His Son as the excellent one, as the most wise God. If you go back to Psalm 110, and let's do that for a moment, and I simply want to reference that passage. Psalm 110, it says in the prescript, a psalm of David, and begins with the most quoted passage, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies for your footstool. That's picked up by Jesus to quell the questioning process and to stop the supposed wisdom of Pharisees and Sadducees. But I think it is possible for us to miss at least two things that I'd love for you to see from this passage. One, the question they could not answer. How is it possible that this Messiah, this son of David, David calls my Lord, how is it possible that that question is answered at all? Well, we know, if you've been schooled in the New Testament and seen Jesus as he is throughout the words of Scripture by the Holy Spirit, we know that Jesus descended from David, think Matthew chapter 1, think Luke chapter 1, that Jesus, the physical son of David, is at the same time as human, also God, and therefore is 
the Lord of David. Such that when David writes, the Lord, the Father said to my Lord, the Son, we know that's Jesus. Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. I want you to see, though, the big picture that I think is most. And, and I, I'll try my best to help you understand the, the plan of God to show forth his son as the most excellent one. Come with me, or maybe let's begin. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, we know that Peter tells us that the writers of the Old Testament wrote more than they knew. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 and 11 says this, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, the receivers of, first Peter's, of Peter's letter, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which the angels long to look. They were writing more than they knew. Yes, they were writing the Old Testament Various writers, David, the psalm of, we call Psalm 110, the song, the 110th song of David, or through the five books of, of the psalms. These were songs out of their own personal experience. But they were also that which, by the Holy Spirit, experienced in the life of the, the writer, the singer, but by the wisdom of God, by the moving of the Holy Spirit, they write more than they know. Such that, and now come with me for a moment, God before the foundation of the world sets up a plan for the showing forth of his Son. That plan has all the bits all the way down including David and his experience and the, the working of the Holy Spirit. Uh, 2 Peter 1 says the Holy Spirit carried them along. The working of the Holy Spirit behind the scenes such that what David writes and sings in Psalm 110, particularly verse 1, the passage we're looking at this morning, has in it all the 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 plans and purposes of God such that when Jesus comes, knowing there would be opposition, this particular psalm that God lined up, that the Holy Spirit worked in the experience and life of David, such that he writes and sings Psalm 110, Jesus then quotes, and no one has an answer. What's my point? How amazing is our God? who puts the whole plan together and lines up all the bits such that in the Gospels, the true experience, Matthew, Mark, 
Luke, they hear and write Mark by Peter, and they write of their experience. They tell what actually happened, and they tell how that settled the argument. No more questions. How great is our God that this psalm, prophetic psalm, foreseeing David, foreseeing Christ, the son of David, is used to silence the argument of those who cannot see, but causes those who can, again by the Holy Spirit, to rejoice in this son of David that David calls Lord. Friends, is it not true that right now, in your experience, sometime recently, sometimes long ago, you've come to know Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit, such that by the working of the Spirit who takes the Word in a curious way and pushes it into mind and heart, there is newfound faith and repentance and belief, and a life that becomes more and more conformed to the image of Christ, such that you here today, hearing this message, may say, Is God not great? That you might consider this very passage, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And know exactly what that means, because the Father said that to the Son, And David sings of this experience between the Father and the Son. It seems like before the creation of the earth, in a conversation between Father and Son, where David wasn't even there, but the Spirit was, such that the Spirit works in the life and mind and heart and experience of David. He sings this psalm, he writes the words down and the tune, and 1,600 years later, Jesus walks this earth and he's questioned, who are you? You think you're some hot shot from God. Who are you? Well, let's line up a few questions to test what sort of person you are. And Jesus uses Psalm 110 by the Holy Spirit, by the plan of God, Recording a father-son conversation, listened in by the Holy Spirit, and uses it and says, Guys, let me tell you what David said by the Holy Spirit. You answer this question. And they have no answer. Because they have no Holy Spirit to give them the insight and the clues as to what this passage means. But if you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, you know exactly what it means. How is it possible? How, is it, how can it be that the Christ is the son of David when by David, by the Holy Spirit, declares, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. You know what that means. I want to take you to two other passages. Maybe let's, for the sake of time, go to one more. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And 1 Corinthians 15, this time used by Paul. 
also by the Holy Spirit. Writes this. Then comes the end, verse 24. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Now, you might say, well, it's, it's, not, it's not quoted, is it? It's certainly in the mind of Paul as he writes these words by the Holy Spirit, in the mind of the Holy Spirit who writes these words by Paul, for he must reign Christ, until he has put all his enemies under his feet, the last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it sees all things put in subjection, it is plain, he is accepted, the Father, who put all things in subjection under him, the Son. When all things are subjected to him, the Son, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him, who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Friends, now we've moved from this passage being about how to, how to shut up those who think they're wise and want to test who you are. Now we are speaking about a day when this will be accomplished, friends, for us today, with all the challenges of lockdown and struggling faith, there will be a day when you will see everything in subjection to the Son and you will see God as all in all, and you will be amazed and humbled by it. And now, friends, think about the wisdom of God, who, who way back here puts this plan and this conversation together, and it's played out throughout this brief physical age, such that at the back end of this, the sun may be king over all things. He is already, but shown to be so, experienced to be so, with everything and even then lastly death under his feet. He will in turn put everything below the Father himself to that God may be over all and in all and through all to the praise of his honor and glory. What sort of God is it that does this. This God is God. This God is amazing. This God is all wise. This God is all powerful. There is a process that's going to happen that, that nothing can stop such that revelation is written already. The question Jesus posed to this Pharisee, with a whole bunch of Pharisees around him, it seems. Whose son is he? How, how does this work that the son of David, David calls Lord? 
the right answer is the son of David is the Messiah, the Christ. He is also the Lord, the king, such that David, the king, calls him Lord and king. That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. That day is coming. It's fascinating for me to think that in uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Thessalonians, repeated twice, I think it's chapter 3, encourage one another with these words, that these words is Jesus is coming back. Everything will be put under him. He will be seen and experienced and we will say he is Lord. You will see that to the praise and honor and glory of our God. And so here, friends, here's the question. Does this passage, this question, how does this work, puzzle you? Or are you, by the Holy Spirit, given the insight to know this is the Messiah? This is the Christ, the anointed one, the one expected for thousands of years through the Old Testament, the one who has come 2,000 years ago, who is in the process by the Father of putting everything under his feet. It is so already because Jesus is already King and Lord. He is already seated at the right hand of the Father. That's where he is right now. But there's a process happening such that everything will be under the sun. And so, friends, my question to you, Jesus is the Messiah. Have you come to know that for yourself? Have you come to experience and see for yourself where the Pharisees and Sadducees didn't and simply wanted to question him, who are you? Have you come by the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit who was there with the Father and the Son in the in the halls of before creation and the whole plan and the spirit involved in all the times of the Old Testament and the New Testament being written up and the experiences that these people had. Have you yourself experienced Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the one who has come, the Holy One, the expected one, the Christ, the Lord, the King? Friends, there will be a day when this age will end. And at that time, it will be too late for you to turn in simple faith and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Make this life all about you. At that point, it will be too late. And then... The rest of it is everything being put under the feet of the sun, including everyone who's watching this right now. And the question, are you on the inside track in terms of the Holy Spirit who knows who Jesus is, who knows how David can, can have his son and yet refer to him as Lord? You know how that's true. Because you've experienced Jesus Christ as King and Lord. He's the Messiah. He's the one who's come. Or not. And in that last day, it will be too late. 
to repent and believe. And therefore, today, today is the day of salvation. Friends, my prayer in a moment is this same Holy Spirit who was with the Father and the Son before the foundation of the earth, who heard the conversation, who laid it up throughout the Old Testament, experience after experience, who by the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, this is the meaning because I was there, that that same Holy Spirit would give you insight. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the glory of the gospel of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit turn the light on, that this God who said, let there be light, would flood your life with light and truth that you may see Jesus as he really is. Won't you bow with me right now? Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, King, Messiah, Lord, the anointed one, the expected one. I ask, O oh God, now that by your word and by your powerful Holy Spirit, you would bring people out of darkness into light, that they may have their blindness healed, that they may see Jesus as he really is, repent and put their faith and trust in you, O Jesus Christ. Would you do this, O God, for your honor and glory, that we may esteem the Son and come into your family, by the work of God right now. Oh God, would you do that? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Friends, if you have any questions, I invite you to respond. I'm sure there's an email address and contact number for this church. Please do engage. Don't leave it there. And read what God has put in his word by the Holy Spirit in terms of who this son, this Jesus is. May God bless you today. Amen. Well, thank you to Lance for opening up God's word to us so faithfully this morning uh, to see how amazing our God is, to see how amazing his plan of salvation is through King David's greatest son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and to see how amazing the, the Holy Spirit is in not only revealing this truth to us through the pages of Scripture, but revealing Jesus to our hearts and minds uh, in our salvation. And so let's close our service then this morning by singing our closing song, How Great Is Our God. And I pray that that will be uh, the, the echo of your own heart uh, as we sing these words together.